Yeah, you just want Christmas to go on just to see where Ramshack's going to take us next. Welcome to Grace Point Church. If you're in town for the holidays and you're in with family, welcome. Hope that uh, your holiday season will be full of not the Ramshack kind of Christmas, but uh, more of a biblical model of Christmas. And uh, as you think about this, we have journeying with us, if you've been with us over the past several weeks, that... um, We have been not so much trying to reinvent Christmas, but to revisit the Christmas story. Not so much so that we might tell it again, as if we could tell an old story of 2,000 years any differently than it's been told in the very beginning, but that hopefully we might enter into that story. That just as Jesus was God incarnate, we might become Christians incarnate, living out the Christmas story in our lives uh, in this in this world in which we live, that would be our desire. And I have to look around at our Western culture, and I wonder sometimes, as I walk through the malls and I drive through my neighborhoods and I hang up my own Christmas tree and stuff, I wonder sometimes if we have lost any sense of a biblical moorings to what the Christmas story really is. And what it was really about and the hysteria for stuff and And all that, I wonder if maybe we haven't entered into the Christmas story, but Satan himself has entered in and he has adulterated that Christmas story. That if we could go back to the first century and were to live in that moment and see a whole lot less pomp and circumstance and a whole lot more simplicity and a whole lot more humility, I wonder if that's really the biblical story that we should be striving for and aiming for. This Advent conspiracy has been hopefully that we could reimagine the Christmas story by living the Christmas story. If we could go in and just kind of maybe wipe the slate clean, maybe be a little extreme, but if we could go in and revisit it and reimagine it and rethink it, almost go not for a reinvention but for a retro Christmas, not for the 21st century model but for the 1st century model. We've been talking about Western Christianity versus I think what you might call Eastern Christianity. And that Eastern Christianity is that Bethlehem story where it happened in the East. And you think about that story and how, how it unfolds compared to what we have today. And, and it's just a few comparisons when you think about the two. The Western, typical Western Christmas is a, typically a worship-less kind of Christmas. And truly there are many churches who actually have a decrease in attendance come Christmas time. Because life becomes too busy. It becomes about family and travel and, and meals and I've got to get ready for the big lunch and I've got a Christmas party tomorrow and I really just don't have time. There's just so much in this Christmas season. And that sometimes we worship less when the biblical Eastern Christmas would be worship fully. And again, if the stuff out there is actually drawing us away from worshiping fully, then really is it a part of Christmas. That we should also think about the way we spend because... We spend more in our culture whenever, actually the Christmas story, though take outside the wise men, they spent less. Those were costly gifts that came from afar, no doubt about that, and I don't want to make light of that. But whenever you look at the manger, which manger sounds a little bit more romantic than a dirty, poop-infested stall in which Jesus was born into. That would be a more biblical story, a more greater accuracy to that story than the story that I think we see this this hovering over angels and this beautiful clean stable and this tranquil look on, 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 the, on the shepherd's faces. 
I don't know that it was that clean. I don't know it was that, that way. But, but yet, somehow in the midst of the Christmas story, we, we take on the spending more. And again, to put your arms around that, uh, studies have come out, preliminary uh, sales data has come, come back, uh, and it says that Americans spent on Black Friday $10.66 billion. This is up a half a percent over the previous year. That's a whole lot of money. But whenever you take it and you compare it on a global scale, we spent more in one day than 29 nations total GMP, GDP for the uh, GP, GDP, GP, you know what I mean, gross domestic product. I think the P and the D need to be reversed. So we've spent more than 29 nations in one day. We are spending fools is what it comes down to. We spend a lot. Maybe we have to think about spending less. Spending less so that we can have more and hoard more? No. Spending less so we can move on to giving more. Because in our culture, it's more of a give less and rather than a give more kind of focus. Granted, I understand that we need to be lean and we need to be focused. And in this tough economy, we need to be thinking about that in every area of the church. But God forbid that literally the ministry and the forward motion of a, of a movement of God would be hindered because I spent too much over here that I can't give any over here. That, just tell me how that fits into the Christmas story. That literally you could not advance a work of God because there's just not enough money there. That's, I, I, I can't get my arms around that one. But today I want to talk about the last one, is that, is that not only this Christmas season we would worship fully and we would spend less and we would give more, but we would learn the value of loving all. Because in our culture, we love a few. We're not very good about loving all. We're really good about loving a few. That loving, you, you think about the first tier, you put it in a food chain kind of thing. You know, those first few people in our lives, we spend a lot of money on. We may spend... Three, four hundred dollars on one person in gifts. I mean, they're wanting an iPod, and they're wanting these shoes, and they're wanting this, and boom, it's all gone real quickly. We just can somehow have this wad of cash that we'll dole on those that are closest to us, and we'll spend like crazy people to take care of them, even if it leverages it out till June of the next year. But we'll take care of that just to make them happy on one day of the year so that we can work another half a year, paying for that one day. And we'll love those people and we'll pour into those. And I'm going to say we don't buy gifts. I'm going to say we don't show our love in some kind of gift fashion. We talked about that last week. But then you, got, you go on down the food chain and then you know, say you have an office party that's coming up and you put this kind of limitation. Okay, we're going to do about 10 to 15 maybe $20 on gifts. And so, okay, everybody kind of goes out and they kind of buy their gifts, their gift cards, their, their, their books, their CDs, their DVD, or whatever it is. They bring it to the party. And you share that gift in some kind of fashion. And you can see how it, you went from spending hundreds to, to spending 10 or $15 on the people that you work with. But then you even go even further down from that. Then you've got that relative, you know, that three times removed kind of relative who bakes you something every Christmas or knits you a sweater or, or buys you something. And, and you have this obligation in your heart that you need to find something for them. So you search long and hard for the most perfect regifting gift that you could give them that year. So hopefully you won't have to spend anything on them. So you regift some kind of gift that was given to you. And so you pass that on. And then... And then on your way into Walmart 
to buy stuff for the stockings so you can fill up the stockings to hang them by the chimney with care. You see this little man out there, and he's ringing a bell, and it's kind of annoying. You've heard him from the parking lot. You've had plenty of time to, to dig through and pull out some greenbacks. Instead, you dig in your pocket, and you think, I don't have any change. And maybe, maybe we'll have a little bit of lint and a little bit of change to drop in the bucket so that we can go in and buy with the paper and the greenbacks Stuff for the people who already have a lot of stuff. Does that, does that make sense? I know it makes sense. It's what everybody does. But it, does, it, does it really make sense that we would give limp balls? Well, we should be maybe giving more. And that we give stuff to people who really don't need any more stuff, but we give them more stuff so they can have more stuff. I, I, I don't know. You know, I, I wonder sometimes if, 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 if we have kind of lost the Christmas story in the midst of the Christmas season. And then I wonder about the forgotten tribe of Am- in some Amazon village that they're drinking from a dirty well and... And, and they're drinking water from there, and, they're, and, and, and we, don't, we don't have to think about them, do we, at Christmas time? This is family time. You know, or, or what about the person who's dying of malaria? Think about it like that. You know, malaria, every year, 500 million people get malaria every year. We, we figured out malaria back when we were building the Panama Canal. We know how to defeat malaria, but yet still to this day, 500 million people get it. America's eradicating it, but some of the rest of the world live it as a daily battle of their life. Clean water. We just assume that you always turn the faucet on and you always have clean water. But 3,900 children die every year because of dirty water or poor hygiene. Surely God doesn't want us to think about 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 this kind of negative story, Mike, in the midst of us filling the stockings and hanging them by the chimney with care, right? No, God would never want us to think about that kind of heart-wrenching kind of facts or reality, or maybe, maybe He would want us to. Maybe He would want us to think about the person who couldn't even buy a stocking for their feet. A challenge is going to be placed for us today. As I have 300 stockings gathered across the stage here, that each family or each individual might, might take a stocking. And as we're hanging a stocking by the, by the chimney by the, with care and hopes that St. Nick would soon be there, and we're filling it up with stuff, that we might hang an additional stocking this year for someone we don't even know. Someone... Oh, we worship, again, we love those who are closest to us a whole lot, don't we? But what about those people who are far off that we don't even know? Again, the Christmas story in our, in our culture is that you love a few, and I think the Bible's story is that you love all. And that we might, this week, think about what we could give to help out humanity come in so many ways. And We talked last week about our Christmas offering and the challenge in that. 
that we would that we would raise up and give an offering that would help. One third of it would go towards a, a hunger relief project. I'll tell you about it in a little bit. Uh, the, uh, another third would go to church planning. We're going to put our money where our mouth is. We believe that church planning is the best way to bless the community. So let's make sure we have funds there available for that. And, and then we talked about another third of it going to help out in just whatever random needs we have across Northwest Arkansas through Hope NWA, whether it's helping families adopt children or whatever it may be, that we would have monies there available to help wherever there is a need, whenever that need arises. And as I think about that, I think, what, what would that look like in the McDaniel household? And this came to me this week, that if I would spend, let's say, two or $300 on Lori or $400 on Lori or whatever I would spend on Lori, what if I were to take that amount and I would match it for someone I don't even know? I know Lori. I'm supposed to love her. Or what about the kids? I add up all the kids' gifts and, hey, this is what I spend for the kids. And whatever I spend on the kids, I write another check just to match that. Stuff it in here. Or you really want to be challenged? Add up everything you bought for Christmas and match it. Put it in this little, this little stocking. Bring it on Thursday night. Just an idea. Just an idea. That we would not just love a few, that somehow in the midst of all of humanity we would learn to love everyone. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. I think it's the story of Christmas. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 says it like this. Our Lord Jesus, rich as He was, rich as He was, He made Himself poor for your sake in order that you, in order to make you rich by means of His poverty. He literally takes it and switches places with us. See, the story of Christmas is based in poverty. It's manifested in poverty. It, it, it is told in poverty. When you think about the very first time that Jesus spoke of His own calling and ministry and life, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. When you look at the Scriptures, you'll find 2,000 times in Scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, where he tells us to think about those who are poor, and if we will take care of the poor and the needy, that he will in turn take care of us. What a story to be told of us. Then I would pray that today that God would call us to love all and not love a few. That we would find it inside of ourselves to be able to do that. That we would become that army of compassion that I think is already a part of our ethos as a Grace Point Church. I think it's already a part of us, but that we would maintain that and even take it into our family homes and that it would become a part of us there. And I think about just over, let me just tell you a few things that, that, that came to my mind this week as putting this all together. You, you realize that on Monday a couple of weeks ago when the women got together to get to give, that we gave away about $40,000 in gifts to people that were to be given away to somebody in need. Here, we were empowering you. We're giving you the gift. Here, take it. Now, give it away as you find someone in need. $40,000. Stories are coming in two and three a day of how this is becoming viral. It's a beautiful story. It's unfolding. It's an army of compassion. A couple of weeks ago, we challenged you to take 40 days and to pray for the orphans and the vulnerable of this world. 
Many of you have taken that challenge on and you have been praying and God has been already moving in our congregation. I mentioned last week just in passing as a part of my message, as a sidebar, if you will, about a need, about an orphanage being built in, 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 in Mapanza, Zambia. And immediately there was a response to the point now that we already have a team organizing and it may fill up in the next few days. To go into Mapanza, Zambia, in the southern province of Zambia, and to literally build an orphanage for those whose parents have died of AIDS. That's a church of army of compassion that's responding already right here, right now, and not waiting for January 17th when we have our Mosaic night and we're going to talk about how to take lives that are broken pieces and make beautiful art. We're going to talk about it on multiple levels. I'm looking forward to January 17th, but we're not waiting till then because already God is beginning to work in the hearts of people. I think back in November, whenever we did our Hope in Action Day, when we just kind of in very tangible ways tried to reach out to our community and love them. Whether it was raking leaves in the yard or cleaning up debris from, the, from last winter's fallen limbs or it's, it's, it's just going in and loving on a neighbor and, and seeing Bible studies born out of that. I haven't even told you about that. Bible studies born out of a day of service in, a, in, 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 in an area, just loving on them. We had meals. We served people. We, 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 uh, we served in shelters around northwest Arkansas. We gathered up over 100 gifts and, and, and sent them around the world through Operation Christmas Job. You did that. An army of compassion. I think about just a few weeks ago when we commissioned our very first church planning pastors and family from Peru, and how they're able to now invest their life into the area and, and start in sharing Christ's love with the Hispanic community. Very first time, just a few weeks ago. I think about a team that went to, and we commissioned them to go to, to Mali on the same day that we commissioned uh, the family to start the, the church in the Hispanic community. How they went over Thanksgiving break and they gave up their Thanksgiving break to go to a little village that we call K Village for security reasons. And then ended up going to Nansala. They went to, ended up going to other villages around in the area to share Christ's love with them. To share Christ maybe for the very first time and see many people hear of Christ and some come to faith in Christ. We have another team going this week, the day after Christmas. Going again. All of this happened in one and a half months at Grace Point Church. An army of compassion. I think it's a beautiful story. And I think it's a part of the Christmas story that is not just to be told at Christmas time, but to be lived out all of our life. And, and, and I would hope that, that when we look at the Christ of Christmas, take your Bibles, we look at Matthew chapter 25. As you look at the Christ of Christmas, he, he came to this world to change lives and, to, and to, to, to better lives. And as you tell the story of Christmas, it's, it's Him establishing a relationship with us. Now listen to this. It's Him establishing a relationship with us. And what we do with that relationship from that point forward is us, you and I, acknowledging our, 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 our gratitude, our relationship with Him. That's what the Christmas story is. It's Him initiating it. It's Him establishing it. But it's us acknowledging it. It's us living it out in our life. 
Again, if you look at the Christmas story, I wonder sometimes. They go, Mike, I am. I'm a. I'm a good husband. I'm a good. I'm a good wife. I. I take care of my family. I, I make sure they're fed and watered and put out the pasture. I do all these kind of good things for my for my children. I take care of my children. I'm, I'm good, and that's great. But is that all the Christmas story? I, I'm good to my family. What more could it be? What about to the family or to the individual who doesn't have a family? I'm good on my job, Mike. I do a good job with, with my job, and I try to honor God in my job. Great. But how have we helped somebody who doesn't have a job? Let's take it to another level. You know, I try to look nice. I try to look respectable in this world, but I try to dress with fashion and, and, and power or whatever. But what about those who can't even dress because they don't have anything? And you can play that out in any number of ways. And the great thing about, about our salvation, and this is a life principle, though we, we are saved by grace alone, the grace that saves is not alone. We, yes, it was by God's grace that I became who I am. But it's God's God, it doesn't end there. It's now what happens to my life after that. It's the change that comes into, the, into that. Look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. It says it like this. So the king, uh, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you for the foundations of the world. Now, what he's telling here is he's talking about a prophecy that's going to happen. He said there's going to be a day whenever God's going to call His children and they're going to stand before Him. And that's going to be a beautiful day. And we know that as the second advent. We're right now celebrating the first advent. We're, we're talking about the second advent and whenever Christ comes again. And as we look ahead to that, what will that be like? Well, the very first thing that's going to turn around and happen with us is He's going to hold us accountable for our life and the life that we live for Him. And this is what He says in verse 35 and following. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was a person in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? Or when, did, when, did, when did we see you a stranger and welcome you naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick and in, or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. The least of these. Underscore that phrase. These are the knots. These are the nobodies. These are the, the ones who don't register on anybody's who's who's list. These are the ones that they're just kind of brushed aside in life. But Jesus said, I notice it. And when you're loving on them, you are loving on me. There is a theology of poverty, if you notice in Scripture. When Jesus says, my very first calling is to preach the gospel to the poor. When Jesus comes to this earth and He is born as a pauper, when Jesus lives this, this, on this earth and He has nothing, and He lives with nothing, and He dies with nothing, and He's even buried in a borrowed tomb, there's a theology of poverty. And here He's saying that as you care for those without, I'm there. I'm in the midst of that. I am all over that. How can I, how can we 
Adjust our life because it will require an adjustment. Adjust my life this Christmas season that will carry into 2010. Because it's not a Christmas season gig here. But that will carry into 2010 and that will truly make life change. Here's, i got to give them to you so quick, your head's going to spin. Three thoughts just to think about over the course of the week. Number one, train your eyes to see Jesus in the least of these. When you're looking past the knots and the nobodies, train your eyes to see Jesus in them. Start thinking that maybe Jesus is represented, Jesus is living through them, in the, that He is actually in the poor. I like the way the message puts this verse. He says, I'm telling you the solemn truth that whenever you did one of these things to somebody overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. What about the, being a voice for the unborn? Have you ever thought about it like that? They can't speak. What about being eyes for the blind? What about being, being, being the provider of the hungry? Think about wherever there is a need and how can I step into that and how can I be, train my eyes to see Christ in this situation and be a part of the solution. Hey, will you be taken out there? Are there people out there who rob the system? Absolutely. They come by the church often. And you can sometimes smell them. All right? I don't mean literally. Sometimes literally. But I mean, I mean you can smell the, the, the corruption in the moment. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about adding insult to injury in that situation. But I'm talking about true, needy, hurting people. Can we, will we be open to training our eyes to seeing that? Here's another thing. Now you're going to adjust your life, train your eyes for seeing Christ in the least of these. Number two is open your life to love the least of these. Open your life. He says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. One translation puts it like this. You welcomed me into your home and into your lives. I like that. You, you, you made a spot at the table for me. You made a spot in your calendar for me. You made a spot in your vacation for me. You made space for me. Who in this world do we know or not know that we need to make space for? We need to create margin in our lives, in our budgets, and in our times, in our vacations. These people who are looking at going to Zambia, I guarantee you, they're going to be giving up their vacation. They're carving it out and they're saying, this is more important than me. Often some high-end something. Me giving of myself. Me giving of my times and my talents. What about making space in our life for that? Are we going to be willing to adjust? The problem is that, is that, is that second word, there are three adjustments to extend your love to all. If, if we don't make the adjustments, our eyes will never see it. We'll just look over them, just like the Bible said. We'll just overlook them. We'll just ignore them. Or if we don't make space in our life, then we won't have time and we won't have money and we won't have talents and we won't have treasures, but we'll just have pity. Well, take pity to Walmart and see what you can buy. It doesn't work. Unless we're willing to adjust our life for the least of these. Unless we develop a, a theology of poverty and, and see Christ in it, then we'll just walk right past it. 
And we'll continue to love a few, but not love all. And when we just love a few, we will not love completely. You know, you, you want a beginning point? You want to carve out something? Mike, this is so far from me. I'm not even thinking about an orphan. I'm not even thinking about foster care. I, I, I don't even know where to begin. What about carving out an hour a week and say, I'm going to teach the children of Grace Point? Let's start there. Say, are they needy? Hey, listen, every generation has to have a teacher to teach them the truth of God or we're one generation away from extinction. What about investing just an hour? That's 52 hours out of the year. That's 52 out of 8,760 hours. It's really not that much. But if I made it a part of my life, if I made room for that, what difference would it make? Listen to this statement. I shall not pass through this world but once. Any good thing, therefore, that I can do, and any kindness that I can show or any human, for it, to any human being, let me do it now. Let me not defer it nor neglect it, for I shall not pass this way again. What a statement. What a life philosophy. That I would literally take my life and say every moment that I live, I want to live it in that moment for the good of mankind and the extension of God's kingdom, whatever that would look like. Open your eyes. Open your life. Make room in your life for that. But number three, release your resources to the least of these. Be willing to to let go. Every one of these, if you look, whether you're talking about hungry, that requires money. You're talking about somebody thirsty, that requires money. Water's free. Water's free if you have a pump. If you don't have a pump, you've got to pay for the pump to get clean water. It's not free. Stranger. Making space in your life. Naked. Putting clothes on them. Cost. Sickness. Medicines. Doctors. Cost. Prison. Cost time. In your life. And the vulnerability therein. And you can list at every one of these. And resources, resources, resources. Ministry costs. Here, say, say this after me. Repeat this after me. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. There it is. Say, say it with me. Let's say it together. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. We have a million-dollar ministry budget at Grace Point Church, not because we think there's a million dollars just floating around out there. It's because we as a staff sit down and the trustees sit down behind us and we all sit down and we said, you know what, there's a million dollars worth of needs to your families and the families beyond Grace Point Church that we must be committed to becoming a part of the answer and the solution in those lives. I tell you about a malnutrition where a third of our Christmas offering is going to go, and I just want to close with this, that a third of our offering is going to go to help a malnutrition situation that's happening in West Africa, where we're going to actually take a, this money, because we've been, we've been asked to go in and, and help establish a feeding system. A, 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 I don't even know that I can go into it all. Let me back up and tell you kind of how it happened. We have a field representative on the field in West Africa that for security reasons, I won't give you his name, I'll just call him Mark. But Mark is there and he walked, he went into this village and he, and he was with these families and he, and he came across a child who was, who was a, a year old and weighed 11 pounds. Now, we have babies born in America at 11 pounds. In fact, I think we have a picture of it. And he picks up this baby and begins to hold the baby and that's a one-year-old baby weighing 11 pounds. And holds this baby and he comes to find out that there's other children in the village. And 
he takes it, this, this child, this baby, and the mother to, to, to a clinic. And they have this peanut butter substance that's been enriched with vitamins, been enriched with different things and elements, to all natural, to give a child in the first two years of their life the nutrients that they need so that malnutrition will not set in. This child, you're looking at a child that is in the top, the doctor said that in the top 3% of malnourished children in the world. And it's right there where we are sending teams four and five and six times a year. And it's easy for us if we don't train our eyes, if we don't make time in our life, if we don't make time in our place in our resources to drive right past a village like this and say, so isn't that a sad, sad story? Well, this representative on the field, Mark, called me last week and he says, I have a project that I think your church could help with. And basically it's creating, because this, this, this peanut butter substance, and I'll have it on my blog later on this week if you want to watch that, a video of what this substance is made. And it's not made in Mali. You have to import anything that is there. And so what we're going to do, hopefully, God willing, God providing, God us releasing our resources to do this, we'll be able to open up a business over there, not for business sake, but to make this peanut butter, to distribute through the villages, to make available for the kids so that they can live another day. Because they found that if they can get them living for two years, that their life expectancy increases. Because many children in Africa, in Mali in particular, die. Most, uh, most of those who die, die about 25% of them die before the age of, of, uh, of five. And many of them die earlier than that. And if we could maybe just open up our resources just a little bit more, then we might be able to curve some of this, stop some of this. And when, I, when, when Mark was telling me this story, an old proverb from Africa, and I don't even know what tribe said it, but it came to my heart and my mind. And it said it like this. It said, the, the ears cannot hear when the stomach is empty. And when you're hungry, you don't hear anything. You're just hungry. And I wonder if we would make space in our Christmas season, if we would make space in our life, if we would learn to have eyes for a child, if, if we would make space in our resources, that if we might not be able to make a greater impact. Remember, I was naked. You clothed me. I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was all this stuff. When did we do this? When you did it to the knots and the nobodies and the no-names that nobody will ever know, and they'll never invent anything, and they'll never be the president of a nation, and they'll never save a life. They'll just live a life. But what if we made room in our life for them? That is the Christmas story when Jesus didn't leave out anybody. We're going to get gifts this next week. And the very next day, we'll be in line at shopping malls and Walmart returning a good number of them. If we could exchange any gift this Christmas season, I would hope that we could exchange the gift of consumption for compassion.